Welcome, you beautiful souls of the universe. Hello again to uh, Mindful Mornings, number two, on the Being Authentic with Authentic podcast. For those of you that are loyal followers since the beginning, uh, you might have noticed that we've moved from the identity of authentic conversations and insights, which I then changed to authentic conversations because I iterated um, upon realizing that the and insights component um, was not only a little bit redundant, but it seemed a little bit pompous on my part to think that I'm going to offer direct insights. And then I realized, wow, let me try this, uh, this concept of me just kind of sipping tea and talking to you guys um, off the cuff. But authentic conversations as an identity could not that that um that umbrella of authentic conversations couldn't include something like um that is not something that is not a conversation so i kind of shifted it i think this time being authentic with authentic that branding or identity is here to stay so get used to it um this podcast is definitely here to stay i know at the beginning i used to call it a project or an experiment um, but there's definitely value for myself and it seems like there's been a, a really good reception, um, a growing reception from you all. So um, being authentic with Authentic should be more all-encompassing so that we can include more uh, ideas and concepts and um, different different vehicles for, for us to, to, well, embark and continue on this uh, authentic spiritual journey together. If you found value in uh, any previous episodes, feel free to, to share that episode with someone. Um, I've noticed a, a slight organic growth, you know, outside of the people I know personally, some people are listening um, and following along. But that's, I, I, I like I've said, I'm not trying to make an advertising push. So the only way that this podcast can get out to other people if you want it to if you've felt like it was valuable enough for you to want other people to listen to it um, you got to just share it so thank you in advance for doing that and here we go into a second mindful morning on being authentic with authentic color definitely would suggest that it might be urine, but it's green tea. I know that also sounded like urine, but I promise guys, it's green tea. So this week, I turned down work for the very first time. I got a figurative slap across the head by the Indian mother that resides inside my head. Not my actual Indian mother. My actual Indian mother is very tender and kind and understanding. Um, no, the figurative brown parent uh, definitely did not approve of this decision. That voice in my head uh, had a tough time initially, but you know, luckily it only lasted a couple minutes. That was that was the point of friction that kept compelling me as I had only two hours to decide: am I going to take on that additional teaching contract or not? 
I called up a friend that is in a similar position um, because he's trying to navigate. Well, he already turned his five-day work week into a four-day work week, and now he's trying to navigate to shift that to a three-day work week so that his contract can actually be long. It can last more months, even though he's working the same number of days, right? Um, so I called this friend up for some advice. I was like, man, what do you think I should do? He asked me a very good question. I don't think he was even aware of how good of a question it was in the moment. But he's like, if you had to list the top, like number one pro of taking on this additional work, what would it be? And that's when I knew, oh boy, I can't take the work. The only reason, the only reason I would was for additional money. There was nothing for me to gain. It wouldn't change the amount of um, formal experience that would be on my resume or in the system with the school board. So if I really was obsessed with getting a permanent job, it wouldn't even accelerate that path. It's not even a new uh, environment because it's online for a different school, but it's only online right now. And I would be maybe exposed obviously to new students, but that's very limited because the course is the exact same as the one I'm teaching. So all of that actually made the work seem very appealing. Imagine your job right now. You were told all you have to do is regurgitate your effort times two. So you just got to regurgitate your effort one more time in your day and you will get paid double the amount that you're currently getting paid for 12 days. That's what it was for me. But that is assuming that you have the emotional and mental capacity to do so. And that was the main reason why I did not take the job. I realized it was only for the money and I would be jeopardizing. There was actually, as much as it seemed like a small risk, there was a great risk that I was gonna jeopardize not only myself, but the responsibility and the commitment that I have to the, the 21 students I'm teaching currently. And that didn't bode well with me because half teaching students leads to it's either you're inspiring them or you're not it's very binary you can't really half inspire someone half inspiring someone does doesn't lead to you know you ever watching or listening to that person you have to be fully inspired so i have to be fully in with my students otherwise it's not going to resonate with them now of course how can you know i continue to afford not working full time that's a whole separate topic that we can get into and you know you can message me on instagram for uh things that you think are worth exploring on this podcast anything that you have in mind that you think i should talk about just send me a direct message uh being dot authentic phonetically so a a and then the word then and then t-i-k um if you want to hear about that how I lower my expenses. It allows me uh, to be liberated so that I can truly enjoy my work when I'm actually working instead of feeling overwhelmed, which I think I definitely would have. Uh, fast forward a week now, I definitely would have been very overwhelmed at this point with double the amount of work. Let me know what you guys think. If uh, I messed up, uh, I need you to call me out. You guys are my tribe. Please look after me. <laughs> Please look out for me if you think I made an, just a, a brutal call on, on passing up on this 
seemingly uh, easy work. Double the workload, but easy work. When I read books, um, the spiritual books that I'm really fascinated in, I don't highlight the books. One is because I just have a riddling amount of obsession of, of keeping it neat. Um, and you know, if I'm highlighting, how much is it bleeding through the page? Is it perfectly highlighted? If it's not, I'm gonna go over it again. And then it is definitely bleeding through the page. And you can see that if I read a page that resonated with me uh, spiritually and I felt any sense of peace, any sense of peace is out the window at that point just because I highlighted it. So instead what I do is I earmark the page and obviously it cures this, this that initial um, issue that I talked about with highlighting and it being messy, but I've realized that there's actually a great amount of value by earmarking pages, so kind of folding um, the corner of the top of the page for any page that has a quote or a passage uh, that I find interesting. And it's, I think it's better than highlighting, and I'll tell you why here. A lot of times, if you do highlight a, a sentence or a paragraph, you usually need the context from previous paragraph or paragraphs to deeply understand that one paragraph. And to read that context, what's going to happen is you're going to read the highlighted passage and then you're going to be like, let me get the full context so I can really understand this. So you're going to read the previous paragraphs anyways, and then you're going to come back to the highlighted part. So instead, uh, especially when I haven't visited these these books for several months or years, because the page is earmarked when I read it the first time around, I have to read that full page regardless. And usually the way a lot of the nonfiction books work, they have that heading. So even if the heading's on the previous page towards the bottom, I just kind of start off where that heading is because I know that it's going to transfer to this page that I've earmarked. And then I have the context without kind of spoiling it with a first run through by reading that highlighted sentence or two. I just take in all the context. And then when I get to the valuable part, I'm like, wow, I see why that's valuable with, with a fresh, relatively fresh perspective. So what I've been doing at the beginning of meditation is I've been grabbing, um, in, in this case, Eckhart Tolle or Tolle. I haven't done the research. I've been wanting to just Google quickly how you pronounce his name. Um, but Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth, and I have several pages earmarked, and I'll just kind of flip randomly, uh, not chronologically, through the book, and I'll just see a page, and I'll read one page, and then I meditate. Because the reality is, I definitely have a lot of thoughts running through my head, no matter how long I've meditated, no matter how much I've meditated, I'm still very much a human living uh, in the human condition. So I'm going to have thoughts going into meditation, whether I like it or not. This way, I'm able to kind of prime my thoughts, condition my thoughts a certain way going into my meditation. So, you know, if you're like exposed to just like flowers and rainbows going into meditation, you're going to kind of be in a good mood. You're going to be thinking about stuff. So yeah, you want to observe your thoughts, but at least you're thinking about positive thoughts. So in this case, I'm thinking about uplift, uplifting things because of going into my meditation right after reading what I just read. So I'm almost like instigating thoughts because I've just admitted at this point defeat of, of being thoughtful instead of thoughtless. 
um, but at least I I can somewhat gear my my thoughts in a, in a positive direction going into meditation. So that's been super valuable for me. Let me know what you guys think if that works for you. If you and if you do it after, I'd be interested to hear from you as well. To see what works for you. Everyone's got something unique. I told my students yesterday. Uh, um, as we meditated, we we did uh, what I call the compassion practice, and that involved just listing out gratitudes in our head, and not thanking anyone or any god in particular, but just thanking life, thanking life for have given us that moment or that person. Just thanking life in general. So that again is similar to metta, the loving kindness meditation, where you're actually creating thoughts, but a certain type of thoughts and then we did uh, a mindfulness uh, meditation vipassana but i told them you know the to a certain extent the labels are kind of just trash they're really useless can't get too caught up in the labels am i meditating vipassana or metta today is it is it vipassana or is it metta if you're listing out gratitudes and you're you know like and that's besides the point it's also no surprise that the youth are dropping like flies right now because of uh, mental and emotional affliction due to this pandemic. I've been uh, trying to give some guidance to my students and it's really tricky because it's hard to get to know them very deeply in a, in a short period of time. So I tell them, you know, your situation is so unique to mine. I, I can only tell you what, what I would wish I heard at your age, given your circumstance, the way you described it, but I can't really be too specific. But I've noticed the biggest barrier, and also with adults my age or older, is um, we want to really be optimistic. We don't want our, ourselves to feel down. As soon as we feel down, we're terrified. We have this fear that we're going to be weak and it's going to be very very difficult to come back up which i think is a rational fear but it's interesting to see how counterproductive um this this measure of protecting ourselves by trying to stay optimistic or convincing ourselves tricking ourselves that we're feeling good when we actually aren't deep down you're not lying you're not convincing anyone because if you're trying to convince yourself deep down you already know that it's just a lie so it's not really doing any benefit we have to let emotions pass through us that's what i think that's what i've told my students they're so resistant to acknowledging or allowing themselves comfortably to feel down or to feel um, sadness or some some sort of uh, a depressive mood for it to pass we have to completely acknowledge it and they think that it's wrong that they're feeling this. I just want to let anyone that's listening to this know that that's not wrong. And it's actually the most effective thing you can do to move on is to take the first step and allow yourself to deeply just feel what you are feeling. Fully accept yourself and fully accept that emotion as it is right now. Because that's exactly what you would do if someone you loved told you that they're they're kind of miserable right now you would tell them you know it's going to be okay you just got to remind yourself of the same thing things will go down but right now you just got to fully embrace who you are what you're feeling as it is so that you can actually move on
I hold you guys to it and myself. Keep me accountable. So here's the dividing line now as I begin another cup of green tea. We're going to talk about soul. So if you haven't watched the movie Soul and you don't want to hear any anything about it, you don't want it to be spoilt, um, you can just click pause now and I'll see you soon. So the movie Soul was very fascinating because, uh, well, for one, it was geared towards adults. I, I've talked to I've talked to my students. I've talked to people younger than my students, and they don't seem to understand what, why the movie is so great. It's only people that are like. 25 and older or like 22 and older that understand how awesome this movie is or feel how awesome this movie is but if you're younger than that it's very difficult to comprehend it one because all the main characters are adults that have careers that have certain worries that are unrelatable to younger people so it's fascinating that pixar made a movie where the target audience is adults. I, I don't watch enough or know enough about Disney or Pixar, um, but I feel like this is one of the first, and if not the first time in a long time, where Pixar has made that decision. The other interesting thing about the movie Soul is that they went right into the deep end with spirituality. They targeted, they, they brought up some concepts that are so deep spiritually like um, I'm, I'm a student of Buddhism and the idea of how a sense of self is an illusion you know you see these little child blobs floating around before they hit up the the human realm and initially they have no personality they're all the exact same they're all just purely happy and then they're assigned an identity it, it's really cool to see how much we're convinced that we have this identity and it's ours, but it really is not, right? How much do you have to do with your genetics? How much did you have to do with that decision? And how much did you have to do with the environment that you were born into, the parents you had, the neighborhood you were in? But what, what fascinated me more was uh, the difference between purpose and spark, as, as the movie described. And this was much needed for my partner and I. As, as she told me, uh, I was taking myself too seriously just like the day or two before we watched the movie because I was not sure if I was in the midst of another career pivot, um, just trying to align myself, my, my interests and skills as well as possible to uh, have fun but also give back through my job as much as possible. And she's like, I think you're taking yourself too seriously. And I'm like, why are you saying that? She's like, I don't know how to put into words but you are. And then we watched the movie and it was like, ah, the movie, the movies put it into words for me. We're so convinced that we need to, that we have this calling. And sometimes, you know, we do have an affinity for things like music or for filmmaking, but the stress that comes along with trying to find the perfect career or the perfect calling so that it's fully aligned with, well, I, I want to make sure my job is aligned with my purpose. All of that is material. In the Buddhist sense, it's just all form. So it's kind of all like in the human realm. Truly what is of value is, is the energy behind all these things materially, uh, which I might get into in another mindful morning with you guys. We're getting a little too metaphysical here, but it's, it's cool to see that what was purpose was very much 
human condition specific. Whereas what we, I think, are trying to strive for, but we don't know how to because we haven't been taught and our society is not geared to, to focus in on this, is the spark. So where the whole point of life is to truly just be living. Not living in a, this way or that way, just living, full stop. So that was cool to see, was no matter what I do, the whole point of me being on this planet, as much as I, I'm convinced I'm a, I'm a single entity, the whole point for all of us, according to the movie, is just to live. Similarly, another, uh, this, this maybe is somewhat Buddhist, but also um, just spiritual in general, the idea of faith. So just trusting in what we cannot control. It's also quite stoic to just acknowledge and let go of the things we cannot control. The, the movie really illustrated nicely how we're convinced as little little minions in the human realm that we have so much control over our life. But the movie shows so perfectly that this is just not true. I love that as well. So a bit of an update on that experiment that I was talking about based on the movie Soul, just to wrap things up here in our mindful morning. Taking myself less seriously um, or caring less about if I look or if I seem like I'm a good teacher. Not if I am a good teacher, I want to be a good teacher for sure, but if I seem like a good teacher to my students and my colleagues. That is way too much of a concern for me. And so the experiment was, can I care less about seeming like a good teacher so that in turn, I am less stressed about my job, I resent it less, and I instead, I'm more relaxed, I'm more chill about it, and so I enjoy it every time I'm in it. And so far, it's been quite good. Definitely, it's habitual to care so much about what I seem like and if I seem like I'm doing a good job. But I would, I would have to say it's, it's going pretty good. It's, it's hard to realize, but the way I am, the way I'm being, is arguably equally, if not more important, that, than, than what I'm directly teaching them with regards to curriculum. Same thing goes for any of our jobs. The way we're being with someone or the way we're being with someone in, in a relationship as well, not just job, is a lot more important than what we're saying, usually, I think. I hope you guys enjoyed this session. Again, feel free to direct message me uh, on Instagram at being.authentic, authentic spelt the way it is in uh, this podcast title. And I'll... Uh, mention and explore things that you guys think are worth exploring. So see you soon. I hope you have a great morning and enjoy your day and focus on just living full stop.